Aloha and welcome to the Big Island Hawaii Ultra podcast. This is show number 11 where we talk to Kim Kaiser. Uh, Kim's a great person, great family here on the island and we talk about a lot of things. We talk about health. We talk about how uh, the race that's called the Dragon was born and also how the Kaiser family took over a race we call the Tryptophan Triathlon, and uh, turned it into quite an epic uh, community event. So please enjoy the audio version of the show. Aloha, Kim Kaiser. How are you today? I'm doing good. Real good. Thank you. So Kim, I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to talk to you because your family and you in particular sponsors so many events events i probably don't know this is one of them certainly i wore this i think it's maybe 10 years ago yeah uh the tryptophan triathlon and uh, I, you guys just do kaiser motorcycles does so much uh work you know on the island as far as charities go as far as helping out as far as being volunteers and i wanted to make sure that uh people uh, we'll know, you know, what you guys do. And a lot of times at the races and at events, we have maybe two or three minutes to talk to each other and then, uh, got to see goodbye. Oh, for sure. No. So explain to me, well, let's start with, uh, where'd you grow up? Southwest Virginia, like a really super tiny town with about 3000 people, I think. So yeah. in the sticks, like truly in the sticks. <laughs> Coal mining country. <laughs> and high school? Same place. I stayed there and um, I met Chris at a uh, barbecue. Uh, he was passing through because he was racing motorcycles. And um, we exchanged phone numbers and I thought he was cute. And that's pretty much all that happened for a, several months. <laughs> and then uh, I he called and he says, Hey, I'm passing through. Do you want to go to the movies? And uh, we got together and kept going together. And then, uh, yeah, I stayed with him throughout college and traveled with him uh, when I could um, on, during the summers and on break uh, while he was racing. And then we moved here in 94. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, um so yeah, from the posts and stuff that I see, the pictures that I see of you uh, that you put out, uh, he, he had quite a, a racing career and you were, yeah. you were a Sherpa back then? Well, I didn't know anything about motorcycle racing at all. So it was all new to me. And when we first got together, he won every race I went to and he's a professional motorcycle racer. He raced dirt flat, I mean, uh, flat track, um, racing so it's the time when they go sideways and they do my the mile race on the horse tracks and stuff so it's really like high speed and super dangerous um but i thought he just always won i didn't know that that was it, he thought of me as his good luck charm so maybe that's what we stayed together in the beginning and because he was like won his first pro race for me being there and it was the first race i went to and then he won every race i went to after that um, for a while. And uh, so it was kind of funny um, that I just thought that was kind of normal. But I was like, wow, they're so excited. And yeah, this is cool. But wow. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Did you, what, uh, did you do sports uh, when you were in high school and college and stuff? Um, you know, I look back, especially 
as I started doing like marathoning early on, well, I didn't do marathoning until I was in my thirties, but, um, and triathlon, I did track and cross country in school, in high school, but I look back on it and I kind of feel bad, um, because I didn't really try and I feel bad for my coaches. I'm like, gosh, if I, if I even just ran the times I ran right now, this is, you know, years back in high school, they would be so proud of me because I really just did not, I, I went to kind of be, it's more of a social thing, not necessarily to be, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't motivated to do that well. So I didn't really care, which, uh, but you know, that changed over the years, of course. But um, yeah, so tracking cross, uh, cross country. Um, is, you know, what was the first marathon? Uh, do you remember your first marathon? Honolulu. Honolulu. That's, that's quite a, that's quite a, uh, uh, well, let's see, back in even 94, 96, yeah, it was still a big race back then. Yeah, I did my first Honolulu, and it was 2006, I think, was my first one, and it was, I I remember we ran forever before we even got to the start line. (laughs) Crazy. I was like, wow, I feel like we ran a mile already. (laughs) Yeah. And And watching people for like the first five miles. And the, and the trick on that one, which I tell people, you know, because I had to learn the same way, is go up right to the front, even though you may not be fast. Like, I was told that, but I was so fearful that, that they're just telling me that, and that's not really how you did it. And so we didn't go all the way back uh, where our time slot was, because Chris was like, I'm telling you, because he already done it one time. He says, we got to go forward. And so we went back. To an hour faster than what we actually went, which I thought was like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be here. But we passed, I would say for the first like three or four miles, people walking. And I'm like, how are they ahead of us? And it's like three miles in and they're walking, holding hands like four across, you know, and I'm just like, how is possible? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's wonder if they come out from the side streets or something. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, I learned my lesson after the first one. Yeah, I mean, that, that was always the trick once you learn that. It's like, and me, I have asthma, so, you know, with the fireworks that they do, I need to get past the start line, otherwise I end up in all the fireworks. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And what was the first triathlon that you can remember? Uh, the first triathlon was would be one of the Team Mango events. Um, I just remember watching Chris do those, and just Carl and, uh, and uh, Dick Campbell he was helping him back then, and it was just so easy going. They're like, yeah, you should get out here and do this. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And it was just so welcoming that I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And it just, that hooked me. And um, that was the start. And then it was like, wow, this was fun. When's the next one, you know? And, and then I was like, really excited about it. It's, it was, yeah, you know, it can be contagious and just like, you just want to do better. And, and it was just fun. And uh, I, st- I don't know, did you, have you ever done Honu? Have you ever done Ironman? Yeah, I did. Honu, my first Honu was 2008. And then I did Ironman also that year. Doubled well. up. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And let's see, uh, was it Wendy? <laughs> oh, um, was it twi- it was windy one of the two years I did. I think it was the first year. 2008 was super windy. 2009 what I did 2009 too. Wasn't as bad. Um 
but yeah, I do recall one of the, it, it had to been one of the top pros, like probably the top 20 women, like in the top 20, a gal that crashed at Javi. And I just, I saw it happen. And I just was, I was going up and it, you know how you kind of come into the gaps where the, you're not getting a, you know, coverage from the, uh, where it's cut out from the hillside and it would just like blow you sideways. And I just remember it would be like, you'd be like pedaling and then all of a sudden you'd be like, whoa, and you had to lean really sideways and they're coming down. And I just remember seeing her just completely get picked up and slammed on her side. And I just started crying. I was like, and you know, cause what can you do? You know, there's people behind me and I'm just like, and I'm like, she's moving. I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. Oh my gosh. I hope she's okay. Then just like, I swear within two, two or three minutes, I mean, there was an ambulance coming. So I don't ever, I don't know what happened to her. And, and I, I did look to see if anybody got seriously hurt and I didn't see anything afterwards. So hopefully she was okay. But yeah, that was kind of a panic because I knew I had to come back down that way too. <laughs> And it's a lot worse when you're at speed. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that. that's the trick up uh, once you get up a Konopoli Highway is that because of the poos, because of the little hills and stuff, you'll be riding along and all of a sudden you're this way and you're riding along and all of a sudden you're the other way. Oh, yeah. You got to be prepared and you don't know which way to lean and you can't grip the bars. You have to try to be relaxed, which is hard to do when you're pretty tense and concerned. <laughs> Don't even want to drink the water. I mean, I would like, I, when it was that windy, I would always have one hand on my arrow bar and one hand on the, on the, on the other bar, you know, on the, just yeah. the crossbar, just because it, to make it somewhat more stable. Um, but yeah, I do recall that. And it's funny because um, a few years later we did uh, USAT nationals and oh. we were talking to one of the guys that was doing it there. And, and uh, we ended up, we rented disc wheels to do it and mm. they had discs on site and I'm like oh this is so ex and we were already talking he already knew that I did Ironman and I'm like this is the first time I've ever ran a disc it's gonna be so much fun and he's like why didn't you run a disc at Ironman I'm like oh my gosh well first off they're illegal you can't do that and there's for good reason yes. <laughs> I just can't imagine what that would be <laughs> yeah so a lot of people I know they will bring both kinds of wheels and if you don't know what we're talking about, it's a, it's a wheel that's, uh, it's more aerodynamic technically because it's got a, like almost a solid surface, but whenever there's wind, you're, you're doomed. It's like a sail. Yep. It's, it's kind of the same theory to tie this into Kaiser motorcycle is almost none of the guys I know on the island ride with a windshield. Mm-hmm. You know, because same kind of same kind of thing. You may have a windshield, and it may give you some protection, you know, going forward. But it's just like a sail, and it just can. Sure. You don't want. Yeah, to I definitely, especially if you know the farther north you go, the windier it gets, and it's really. I mean, it can be extreme. I I remember one time that Chris and I was uh, training for Honu, and it was so bad, and that's you know because the roads are open when you're training. And you only have so much shoulder. And we were going down the hill from Javi, heading back to Hapuna Beach. And I remember it was so severe, I, I just didn't think I was gonna make it. And because it, it was pushing me like into the road and I thought I was gonna crash off the side or off the, in the road. And so I stopped and Chris came back 
And he's like, just let's come on. We have to make it back. You know, this is a, it'll be a long time for me to come back and get you. And I'm like, I can't. And he says, come on. And so I got off my bike to, and just to, just to say, I'm not doing it. And my bike flew up in the air and I'm holding it and it's like straight out. And I'm like, and I've like started like, just, I'm not doing this. I hate this. This is not fun for me at all. And he's just trying to be the calming person because he always is. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm not doing it. And I sat down and I'm like holding onto my bike because I'm afraid the wind's going to blow it away. And, you know, he had to kind of talk me through it. And he's like, okay, just, let's just walk it. And I remember I had to get on the other side of the bike to walk it because it kept trying to blow up, you know, up in the air. And um, that was probably more windy than any race I've ever done by far. It was, that was definitely, I'm thinking if I made it, which I did, made it through that ride, some of it was walking, but um, I would probably be able to be, ride anything. And so I, I, that was pretty good fear to conquer, I think. Oh All yeah, I mean, that's a that's a perfect story though, you know, because people will freak out, and it helps when there's somebody who's maybe more experienced or used to doing it in certain conditions. Like it's like riding in the rain. If you've never ridden in the rain before, you don't know what to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Watch the white uh, paint. <laughs> that's for sure. So, so you, I don't, I don't mind, uh, I hope you don't mind that we bring it up. You face challenges like I do as far as health goes. I mean, I have asthma. I wake, my joke is now I wake up with at least four of the symptoms of COVID-19 every morning because I have runny nose, uh, tight chest, uh, a little bit of a headache, and, you know, my eyes can kind of be reddish and stuff. Do you mind sharing kind of the stuff while you're you're doing these races? You're doing Ironman. You're doing Hona and stuff. What kind of um, uh, medical problems did you run into during those times? I gotta say, when I was racing, it wasn't nothing, It wasn't so bad. I am I not until later on. Um, but the funny thing was, uh, early on, like during the marathoning and like starting out with triathlon and lava man and all those things for the first few years the night before and the morning of I'm like deathly ill and oh I've told Chris I'm like I I'm not gonna make it this is not gonna work out I'm so sick I'm getting so sick I am this I got my stomach hurts I got this going on I mean every ailment known to man but it was all in my head because I was so nervous and I mean he would just be like this is what we go through every single time you're fine I'm like no this time it's true it's really true this time. I am really sick. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, remember the last time you did this? And I'm just like, I'm telling you, you don't believe me, but it's really real. But it's so funny because I get myself so worked up. And then of course, when the gun would go off, I'm fine. It, it would just all go away. And so, I, you know, that was that, but that wasn't because of a, an ailment or illness or anything like that. That was just me playing with my own head which happened pretty much every single race. Um, I, I mean, every single one. And well, my, my, my trick for starting races, you know, is you're standing there ready to swim. And I'm, I am the worst swimmer on the island, one of the worst. I will look around and go, well, heck, if all these people are getting in the water, I guess I should. <laughs> I know, exactly. I was always thankful because the swim is my worst part too, is like, it's just so thankful to make it out of the swim. I'm like, okay, now the day's going to be good. 
<laughs> I made it to ground. I can actually stop and walk or, you know, slow down on my bike, whatever I need to do. That was always the thing with triathlon. But um, yeah, no, that was the thing. But um, one thing I was always fighting, even since I was in high school and um, doing track and cross country, I always had a really high heart rate. You know, we didn't have heart rate monitors back then at all. Um, or not that I'm aware of, of any. And I remember like we would do certain um, like uh, sprints or whatever for track or cross country, whatever it may be. And they would do like the six second test, you know, for your heart rate. And I always be like 21, 22. And they're like, you're, you're not counting it right. There's no way. Cause that'd be put you at like two, two, you know, uh, 20 or something like that heart rate. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, counting that much <laughs> so, and but you know we we never never really you know mounted to anything because it was just like they thought I was miscounting and I knew I wasn't but you know who knew if that was a problem or anything like that so um you know I like I did fitness classes in fact in college I <laughs> funny story. I can actually, I guess I could make fun of myself. I took tennis for the first time. So I'm like, well, I like playing badminton. Tennis has got to be pretty fun to do and stuff. I mean, a lot of people play tennis, right? And I had to have a PE. So I'm like, okay, this will be perfect. And I had to have, I had to have two semesters of PE. So they had a tennis one and two. So I took tennis and I told the gal, cause I played with Chris before and it was really bad, like really bad. And he's like, you, he goes, I don't get it. You got the eye and, you know, the ball. And I'm like, well, I can play badminton, but, you know, that's very soft and slow, right? Well, the people that I played with, I know that you can be, you know, pretty professional with that too. But so anyway, I, um, I signed up for that. And she said, I can teach anyone tennis. I've, don't worry about it. You're going to be able to play a game when you get done with this class. Well, I knew about the game. I learned about the game. I learned how the scoring is done, but I still was so bad. And I could always tell when I was put on someone's team, they're like, especially when we were doing doubles, they're just like, oh. <laughs> and, and I would just kind of stand clear and like, oh, let them go for it because I'm not going to hit it. You know, I'm going to miss it every time. And, uh, but I didn't realize how bad it was until I went to my PE teacher and we we're talking about um, next, the next semester. She goes, um, I just got a question. This was after it was over. And she says, are you signing up for tennis too? Cause I mean, she knew I had to have two, uh, I mean, two semesters. And I said, yeah. And she's like, you know, I think maybe we should put you in something else. And I'm like, what? What? So I was like, well, she told me she could teach tennis, <laughs> but apparently not me. And so she uh, said, I have weight training, a weight training class that I teach in the gym. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's probably a bunch of guys and I don't know about that. And, and she's like, oh, I, it'll, it would be fun. It's good. Cause I'm, and she was a, a female teacher. And so I actually got one of my girlfriends to switch over to weight training. And that's where it started for me. To, it was like the best thing ever happened because it got me into weight training and fitness and I became a fitness instructor for gosh over 10 years and um yeah so I mean that was it changed my life and she has no idea <laughs> I mean I should find her someday and just tell her what she's done for me <laughs> the fact that she couldn't teach me tennis was a really good thing
Uh, she, she directed it into, into a, a successful area. Yeah, so that was all good. So yeah, I, I've always been in fitness, but um, I know I'm kind of getting, I tend to do that. I, I get off the railroad track and kind of get sidetracked every once in a while. But um, going back into the heart rate thing, um, as I, I, you know, we would do that testing. That was something we did and um, we was, as an instructor, they were always like, well, you know, do that. You can do this during the class to see where people are at. And that's still before heart rate monitors. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was always really high. And um, then once heart, heart polar came about, um, we got polar belts and I was always really high, but I didn't know anything about heart rate. I just wore it, but I didn't know why I was wearing it. I was just because everybody else was. Yeah. Higher, higher <laughs> then, is better, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, I'm really getting a good workout. <laughs> you know? and, but um, yeah, so then, then when I started actually doing uh, triathlon, in 2008 that's when I started like talking to people and learning more about what that means and um and they're like oh well the more you get fit the lower it's gonna go and I'm like I've been training daily for years I mean 15 years and I was already teaching at that time uh for 10 years prior five classes a day four or five days a week you know at Hualai Resort and um so, I mean I was pretty fit and yeah. uh and did marathons yeah and um and so yeah so i did someone talked me into doing it i think it was uh mark allen that had it It was a book it was train it was uh train your heart it was like low heart rate training it was a six weeks course i think so i tried it because it's like if you can get your heart rate down you can get way faster and so i'm like wow okay you know um I, I would be great because I always kind of feel, I remember I used to finish the P-Mans. I would always, for the first two or three years, would puke across the line. Like I would uh. be running across the line and keep running because I knew I was going to throw up. Uh. And because my heart rate was so high. And um, so I did that for six weeks. And unfortunately, the only thing it got me was poor fitness. I lost so much fitness. I couldn't get up. I remember the, one of the things was is you couldn't get your heart rate, and my number was 160. And so you could run, but you couldn't get it over 160. Well, I couldn't run at all because quick to start jogging, it would go up to 160. And so I have to start, you know, walking again. And so that went on for an entire month or six weeks. And so I finally just said, you know, screw this. I can't, I can't keep doing this and getting nowhere and not getting any benefit. And then plus it took me quite a long time, like several months to gain the fitness back that I lost yeah. from taking that amount of time off. But yeah, so that was the thing. And that was, that was, that was the one thing that when we talk about all these years that was, didn't know what was wrong, but it was definitely different than everybody else. And uh, because when I did Ironman, my heart average heart weight uh, for the bike was 187. Oh. And that's for, you know, six hours. And, you know, it's, that's really high. And, um, I, then I, I would talk to people and they would just not believe me. They're just like, yeah, yeah you're, there's something wrong with your monitor. You know, there's no way you could keep that heart rate for that long. That's impossible. And I'm like, no, I mean, it really is. And I remember one time I was training and we went to, um, we got to the cemetery and I was over at that point over 200 
And cause we just went up the hill really fast, got there. And I'm just like, then there were, someone says, what's your heart rate? And there was like, there was like, I don't know, 160. I'm like, I'm 202 right now. And they're just like, no way. And this guy, and I'm sure you know who he is. He's a male nurse. And he's like, there's no way. And he took his heart rate band off and I put it on because he didn't believe it. And he was just like, and then he saw at that point, it was already down to the one nineties, but um, he, he couldn't believe it. He's like, I don't even, I don't want to ride with you anymore. This is just not good. I don't, I don't, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, and and um, so that's when I finally went and saw a doctor, you know, that there's something going on here, which, um, and then it started, current, I started having a fear because everybody else was like kind of freaking out that it was so high that made me kind of like nervous about it. Yeah. Like, am I going to hurt myself? Because, you know, I certainly don't want to do that. And, um, and then from there, I uh, saw, they did some testing, but I, there wasn't really no, I think at that time, no cardiologist here. And so I never did a stress test or any of those things and nothing was really found. So I kind of let it go. But then around 2011, I started getting tired a lot, um, like really tired. And so I kind of just quit triathlon and started just cycling because I knew on the bike I could just manage and I was still doing pretty well in cycling and um so after that I I decided to go see another doctor and you know we're you know on this island it's kind of hard because you don't there's not many doctors here for one and yeah so I just I I went to the doctor they did all kinds of blood testing I was low on um I am on vitamin Laura was talking about this vitamin D, yeah. which I was like, how is that impossible? Because I'm outside all the time. And, and, you know, I assume it is from the sunscreen because you're, you know, you got a layer over your skin, you're blocking those rays. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. And then um, also they said, Oh, um, you're, you're kind of premenopausal, you know, you're, you're almost 40 you know, that's, you're, you're going to start feeling it. They kind of shrug it off a little huh. bit. And so I was just thinking, well, there's no way this is definitely a change. I mean, this is, um, my pupper sees someone walking down the street. <laughs> Dogs are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. So I kind of just did my own thing and I just, it kept getting worse. So then I quit racing. And, um, because I was getting just so tired and fatigued and it was, it was really bad. And, um, and then, um, I got pregnant, which, so I wasn't premenopausal <laughs> because I, you know, we weren't really, you know, being cautious because I thought I was premenopausal and, you know, well, I mean, I am 40 at that point, 42. And, and you had already, you already had two kids? I can't remember yeah. how many kikis. Yeah, and two. A total of three now. What's the first? What What are the names of the first two? I can't. Uh, my oldest is Skylar. She's nineteen, and then I have Tristan, and the, she's eighteen, and then I have Aspen, who's now three. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for naming a child after a place I lived for twenty-five years. Love Colorado. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, so um, I uh, I didn't really do much until after I had Aspen. I started writing again and um, 
and then it's still the fatigue is just kept happening. And I would even mention it to people I was riding with that's close to me and they all know it, that it was like, gosh, I'm so tired. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I'm just like really tired. I mean, it would like have to be like a complete force thing to do. And I'd ride still pretty well, but then I'd be shot the rest of the day. And um, so I finally, this is my answer. I went to Dr. Traub and Oh, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And so he did some testing that no one else did. And he found out I had Hashimoto's and which I had no idea what that, what even was. And, but then, um, so we started treating that because you kind of treat the symptoms because there's no cure. Yeah. And it still wasn't, it was like I was getting worse. And I got to the point where just walking, I mean, I like, they could focus on every step and I was sleeping, um, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. I was so exhausted. Luckily, you know, Aspen sleeps a long time. So I'd go to bed quick as she went to bed and I would like wake up before she did. And um, I'm like, there's, I don't know. And he says, you know, let's, let's test, let's do some more testing. and. Um, I tested positive, a blood test for lupus, but he's, I'm not, I don't, I'm not considered having lupus because I don't have all the things that involves that. And my dad actually died of lupus. So, you know, I, we're always, we keep checking just to make sure other things doesn't happen. But, um, so, cause even though you test positive doesn't mean you necessarily have it, mm. you'd have to, you have to meet certain criteria as well. But, um, and then he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a test for um, Lyme disease. He goes, just rule it out. I know you don't have it. We're going to do it. Just rule it out, you know, because, you know, what some of the symptoms was saying. Well, he did the Lyme test. It came back positive. And I'm just like, what the heck? So it, I have chronic Lyme because I, ha I must have gotten it a long, long time ago because I hadn't got bitten by a tick or been a, in a place to get bit by a tick for many, many years. And I, growing up where I grew up, um, I've pulled off many ticks off my, in my scalp, attached, you know, it was very common because we played in the woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't have internet. We hadn't played outside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was news to me. So we started a regimen, uh, got an antibiotics. I did six weeks of antibiotics. I did all these other little tinctures and all these things and which was oh that was horrible it was it was really a hard time but I got through it and still didn't really notice a difference and so we waited several months like I it, actually probably a year and uh, we retested I'm still positive so I just it, it, so pretty much you just fight the symptoms I mean or you treat the symptoms but there's not a cure but you know if you treat the symptoms you whatever you're treating with could lead to side effects. So you, then you weigh whether the side effects is better than, you know, the symptoms, you know, which is, which one's worse. And for me, I'm very sensitive on like with medication, like my stomach or even vitamins, like the vitamins that you read on the, on the, on the bottle that says, Oh, uh, you can take with or without food. Cause it won't irritate your stomach. Well, it irritates my stomach. You know, and so it's just like, so it's, I got to be very cautious on what I can take and pretty much we're treating it now with supplements, but even some of the supplements that I find, I'm finding that they're bothering my stomach, even though they don't supposed to. Yeah. So it's like, it's not, it's just been difficult, but I got to say the last couple months I've been feeling better. 
So that's a good sign. I'm still fatigued. You know, when I say better, it's not like you're back to a hundred percent. You're like 40%, you know, yeah. it's like ways to go. But, um, uh, have you ever connected with, uh, Angela Nath? No, because no, she's I'll, I'll, maybe I'll reach out to her to have her look at, at, uh, the show and stuff because that's her, she's an Ironman pro athlete and that's her whole thing is having Lyme's disease. I, I think I read an article about her that she got it and then she got treatment for it right away. Yeah, but she's still, I, apparently she still fights still, it, but I'll, I'll, I'll reach out and find her. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see, because I, I just never, I never had, knew I had it in the first place. If I had it back in the day, I don't know if, you know, back there, if they would even, because it, it never really w was in the, you know, out in the open and, uh, until recently. So I don't even know if we would even got treatment for it, because we wouldn't even know what, what I was battling, and I, I don't recall ever being affected and i never was actually bothered until later in life but i think lyme disease can mess with your heart and things like that and it's it's not a autoimmune uh disease per se but it 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 it, it is it turns into your body like one and which can create other autoimmune diseases which um you know i which very, very well could have be why i have hashimoto's you know it's hard to say because it's all so like vague and there's no like concrete stuff for it and like after i had aspen about six months after this is totally aside from that but it can be caused also um i i, I was diagnosed with pots as i was getting more of the heart stuff going on and it's something i've never heard of what's pots? it is when you just you which i know we've all went through this where you when you get up quickly suddenly and you feel like you're going to pass out that kind of feeling where it kind of you kind of black out for a second and you got to like oh okay take a moment it's like that but it happens all the time like 50 times a day and um so i was having it didn't start out like 50 times a day it's trying to start it slowly and it started getting worse and i would start have to like sit down and i remember one time biking i had to sit down on the ground and sit down i mean because there was nothing to sit down on i had to lay in the i mean like sit in the road just like whoa i feel like i'm gonna pass out and end up my blood pressure is also um was always normal always but after Aspen, for some reason now, it's like in the 90s over 60s, which is really low. I mean, it's a, it's a low average, but it's better to be low, I guess, than high, right? But um, yeah, and so um, I remember going to Dr. Derby's office, the cardiologist here, and, and you know, he's awesome. And it was in the, it was 86 over 50 something. And, and he's like, this is really low. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to pass out right now. And he's just like, yeah. So, um, and then we did some testing and stuff. And um, he said it could be, be brought on by pregnancy or trauma. So uh, the only trauma that I've had was like pregnancy, right? Uh, as an, a, you know, a 43-year-old. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of, it's not funny, but I mean, it's, I think just because you have one thing, it kind of makes you more apt to get something else because your body's already kind of breaking itself down yeah. with that. We, we somewhat got that under control now, um, which is good. I took medicine to raise my blood pressure and I took the, it, you have to work your way up to the highest dose. And I did that. And even on the highest dose, um, I was like one Oh five over 68. 
and, and which a lot of people would kill for to get yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's really low. And so, but then I, I, I started getting like bloating and gaining weight and like, like, okay, I know. And I looked at the side effects. So I'm like, I see boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I wonder if I, so I started slowly back and back off the medicine. And now um, I'm, I'm almost always in the nineties over low sixties, sometimes upper fifties, but it's a lot more tolerable. It's better than the eighties over fifties. There's a big difference, believe it or not, between that and then in the nineties. But has, um, has anybody ever, uh, I, I mean, as bad as, as bad as our medical system can be, especially when it comes to women, has anybody just kind of in the past said to you, Oh, you have chronic fatigue syndrome. At first, until we started getting blood tests that shows for sure instances of these high antibodies. And, and um, that was like when, the, when I went to the first doctor that said, oh, you're kind of menopausal, you're in almost 40, you probably have fatigue. And, and he said, that's kind of what I got and wasn't much help. And I don't want to name anybody because uh, it's a small island. But, um, you know, we got to all go who works best for us. But Trav's been the most one, like, I, I'm a, he's like a bulldog. We're going to yeah. figure this out. You know, I might not figure out this today, but I'm going to try to help you the best I can. And even though I've still got, he's still like going, you know, I, I'm kind of a mystery. At least we're getting somewhere and I'm feeling better. And, um, and Derby's was great because he's done triathlon. And, um, you know, he's very aware of the athlete body. And. He said my heart rate was so high because we did all like stress tests and all that kind of stuff. I have SVTs and things like that. And I have a heart arrhythmia, which I didn't know I had. Yeah. And he said, your heart rate's so high because you're not, you're, there's some regurgitation in there. So your heart is not getting enough oxygen and blood. So it has to work so much harder and faster to get the blood to it to supply your body. And so that's why when you're exercising, you know, because sometimes when I would ride, it would be like, we would go on a really hard sprint. I used to do the Saturday group, the club ride, and we'd go really hard. And I was like, a, I am not letting go. I'm going to hang out of these guys no matter. I'm going to kill myself. And I thought literally I was going to actually kill myself eventually if I kept doing that. And because my heart rate would get so high and then sometimes things would go black just for a moment. And I'm just like going, oh my God, please come back. You know, and it would just be like a second, but you know, and I'd be stinging all over from head to toe. And I'm like, I, I never passed out and, and, but it, you know, you don't know what that is and it can't be good. You think, you know, it's a warning sign, like a red flag, red flag, red flag, stop. And so I'm like, there's been times where I started getting chest pain and I'd be like, should I say something? I mean, this is pretty bad. And I wouldn't because I didn't want to be embarrassed. And I, you know, and it happened sort of often because I'm like, oh, I'd be saying something every time we ride if I said something. But I told that all to Derby's and he was just like, well, it's just because when you get to that point, you, it, it just all the things start happening and then you do get the chest pain. Um, you're not, you're not efficient. So your heart's going to be just pounding, pounding, pounding. And so his suggestion was, he's like, I, I, you know, there's really not a surgery that I can do for you or anything like that. Um, the, but what you can do is just don't hit those levels, which was really hard to hear. And I'm just like, yeah. And I asked him, I said, well, will I kill myself if I just keep doing it? Because I've done it so long. I've been doing this for a long time like this. And he goes, did you have all the chest pain 10 years ago? And I'm like, no, that just kind of happened the last couple of years. And he's like, 
it's like you're getting warning signs and he goes if it was me and knowing what i know i would not be letting my heart even though i could do it i wouldn't do it because you know you got this baby here and you know and i'm that was when he said that it was like yeah i mean there's more than just me right i got my family and you know my my parents chris's parents are i mean they they won't be around when aspen gets out of school i mean i like to say they would be and they kind of hit a record on the age but um you know uh i gotta stay around and yeah. so yeah it was just kind of an interesting you know learning experience in fact um he does want me to go to uh the mainland to get some work done in denver just to just to see if there's anything else that could be done but but now it's under control because i know about it and i know um that I got to keep it low, you know, just as a precaution. Although I still like to do doing these club rides, but I know if I did them, I would, I would just be in trouble because I can't, I just love that so much, you know, the competitiveness and, and they are competitive, but well, yeah. that's, I think yeah. that's the, the key to uh, a, a person, not just as an athlete, triathlon, our triathletes are notorious for not wanting to stop. Right. And you have that competitive, uh, you have that competitive nature and no, tell me anything but that, tell me anything. Right, you know, right, right. But that yeah. and stuff. Well, that kind of leads us into, uh, because you talked about the bike and how good you are. You are excellent on the bike. How, I can't remember if HCC started the dragon or if you started the dragon or who actually started that. Well, um, I watched this race called the Dirty Dozen on YouTube and it's out of Pittsburgh and it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I'm like, I get Chris, I'm like, you got to come here and see this. And we're watching this race and they got cowboys and they're going up these cobbled streets. That's like, it's like, I don't know, 22%. And there's like so many people and they're falling off the bikes. And I mean, it's like carnage. And I'm like, I want to do that. And he was just like. He's like, how are you going to do that? And and the whole nature of that race is you get points for all these hills. There's actually, it's called the Dirty Dozen, but there were 13 hills. And, and they said, they don't know why they did that, but it just worked out that way. But um, it was really interesting to me and the fact that they ride neutral to each hill. And and then they, they race the hill, then they ride neutral to the next one. And they cheer everybody else coming up. So I'm like, you know, this is a way that you could bring all levels. You could bring the recreational rider, the weekend warriors, and the elite riders, you know, such as Penn, out here, and they could all see each other. Because, I mean, typically, if, if you're in a race, a road race here on the islands, which they haven't been that many, um, once you're a half mile into the course, you don't see anybody until the end, right? And, and they've probably already gone home uh, for some people. So this is a way that I, you know, I thought we could all stay together and, and just cheer each other on and really just get a kind of camaraderie with the whole, you know, just the cyclists in general. And I brought it to HCC, a club meeting we did down in um, Kalkakua Bay. And I'm like, hey, I got this idea. And I want you guys to do it and I'll run it. You know, can you guys do this? And, um, you know, Dan and Tom was the main two people back then. And Dan's like, I like it. <laughs> so, and Tom's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then it, we, then it kind of got to, uh, 
logistics. And oh, I did I, at the at the meeting. I after I talked to them, I I talked to everybody at HCC and said, "Hey, would you guys be interested in something like this?" And I oh, told yeah, them just, about it. Just to insert, the HCC is Hawaii Cycling Club here on the Big Island. Right. And so I asked them if they'd be interested in to do it. I think the Pittsburgh race is 36 miles of racing. And I said, just to do it on a smaller scale, shorter heels, you know, you're not going to have these 22% grades that's last, you know, for a half mile. I mean, um, you know, would you guys be interested? Everybody was in. And <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's figure out how to do this. And then I just started you know, we started riding down south and we we're like, oh, this is a good hill. This is a good hill. And I'm like, all the hills are right here. It's perfect because it's really wide shoulders. And the places that don't have shoulders don't have traffic. And um, so it was, it worked out really well. I didn't know, even though people were like, seemed like they were all into it. When we finally put it up on USA uh, Cycling, if anybody was going to sign up. You know, it's, are they just saying that to be nice? Cause they don't want to hurt my feelings, you know? And, um, oh, it was, we, it, we, everybody was like, in. I had, and the, the cool thing was I got the coffee talkers. I got the weekend warriors. Some people I, we never even heard of before out there. It was just, it was wonderful. And, um, you know, I just thought it was so exciting to bring all these levels together and just to see all these smiling faces and, you know, um, some of my favorite people, you know, is the, is the athletes on this island are just good people. And it, it was great. And um, yeah, it's been going strong. In fact, this last, this past year, luckily we did, we was, it, we got it in before all this COVID stuff started happening. Yeah. You know, we, we, um, it, it was, it was uh, that one trip to fan goes within minutes, but this one, I mean, I think we uh, complete, we was full within a week, something like that. It was really fast because typically it took two or three weeks to fill it. So yeah, I think people are, have to think seriously before they take on the, the dragon challenge. Well, the funny thing is, is like people that do it for the first time, um, they always like, they hit that first hill like all out. And I may even try to tell them ahead of time at the meet athlete meeting, you're going to just be forewarned, you know, take your time on that first hill because, you know, there's nine of these and don't blow yourself up. And I always have, because sometimes you just get, I know as a racer, when I was racing, you know, especially time trials is don't go too hard out of the box. You know, everybody always says that don't go too hard out of the box. You'll burn yourself up in your own fumes all the way in. And I never really learned that technique properly. I would always just be on the fumes and just like going, oh my gosh, I would be so great if I had a technical right now. If I had a flat tire, it'd be awesome. You know, I mean, I would think those things, you know, I mean, I'm sure all these people think, you know, things like that. I mean, I would just like, what if I could just stop on the side of the road and just pretend something's wrong with my bike? You know, I was like, I actually had those thoughts before too. Never done it, but I thought about it. But um, Open for that yeah. flat tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was kind of funny, but uh, I always have people like, oh my gosh, you weren't kidding, you know, because it was just because it's even though it's really short, you know, a full effort's a full effort, you know. And how many people did it last year, last time? We have a 50 uh, li uh, uh, athlete limit, so 50 each year. And yeah. you have to, you do have to get permits for it and stuff, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, we get insurance and permits and um, so yeah, there's all that. And then the county kind of, they came through, they, um, they cut back all the brush back there. They were so cool. It was great. That's good. And you have, does Johnny, did Johnny do it? We have one guy on the island that does yeah, it. Yeah, every, every year on his fixie, we actually do an award just for him. And I know he's the only one going to do that. And I'd still do the award because I, I mean, holy cow. To see someone on a fixed gear, and that last that last grade, I think, is twenty percent thereabouts. Yeah. And uh, to see him do going up that thing, oh my gosh! And so, I mean, he, he gets a trophy <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, I, I notice every time that uh, somebody new does the race, they they say exactly they post and say exactly what you said. I went out too fast. Oh yeah. It's, and it's so easy to do. We all know how that's, you know, you get kind of wrapped up and you see the, especially you see Penn going out, you know, his, his moderate is, you know, everybody else's, you know, over the top, you know, red, red line, you know, for anyone else. And so you, you just can't use that as your beacon, you know, you got to, set your beacon quite a ways back, you know, to really be, um, you know, otherwise I always tell people on that particular event to um, find which pre-write it if you can find yeah. which one you feel most confident on or comfortable and kind of like gauge yourself and wait for that hill not to go hard on. I mean, you still want to definitely put your efforts out, but maybe the hill prior kind of just back off just a tiny bit. So you, and just so you can have full power on the one that you think, especially if you're, you're cause only, you only, the top 10 gets points and that's it. So if you're, and some people just, all they want to do is get one point during the whole event, you know, and which is hard to do, you know, it really is. You think that's easy, but it's like, there's so many competitive riders. It's hard to do. So, um, yeah, so that's typically the goal on that one. <laughs> and, and you basically, I mean, you put it on, it's you, it's you, Kaiser Motorcycles, you sponsor it, you get the awards. Well, I got to give kudos to Tom Solis because Tom does, on that event, does so much behind the scenes. Uh, he does the insurance, he gets the website going to, um, so people can sign up and so he's like full on in charge of the registration and all that stuff. And, and I just, I just run it when I get there, you know, and, and, you know, of course there's the, you know, ordering the trophies and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, I, to me, I, my, that job isn't that, that race is kind of easy to put on because I got Tom's help for one. Cause I don't have to do the website. I don't have to do the registration. Yeah. Um, Versus tryptophan, which is a tremendous amount of work, which really is entirely me. Um, well, so let's, let's talk about tryptophan then. Okay. This is, I think this is from 2014, I think. And it was still, this is the seventh year. So it's been going quite a while. Right. Well, the first year, um, P-Man did this back in the day, this event. And, um, then I, 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 I talked to him about it, but I think it's just, it was just kind of getting harder because there's more traffic on the highway and, um, he ended up, he just quit doing the triathlon portion and he stuck to the biathlons. And, and, and it was in competition too with the Wailua trail run. 
I think was, yeah. was, was, I've been going on for a while and I know Path, you know, who I've, I've worked for in the past and stuff, we, we kind of took it over and stuff. So there was another race that day. It's done on Thanksgiving day. Yeah. So, but we want, we started doing it with just our employees, you know, Hey, you guys want to go do a triathlon and it was totally makeshift. Um, we did it, left her bikes up against the seawall, uh, did that the first two years, but actually the second year we had some friends come out that we told them about it. Like, Oh, that sounds like fun. And so we, um, Chris would always win when, and back in that time. And he, so he would be there with the taking times after it was over because he was the first one there. He could take everybody's time. And, um, so what we did is everybody just had their, gar if they had a Garmin, they would do their own splits and we just had the finish time. And then the third year, it got more busy. We had more friends. It was like maybe 27 people at that time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's getting kind of crazy. And I think that year I did, I came to race it. I had my bike, but I'm like, yeah, someone's got a man. I mean, this is too many bikes to be, for us all to walk away. I was afraid, you know, theft and that kind of thing. And I just, I just wanted their people stuff to be there because there was so many and it was wrapped around the seawall. So I had the clipboard and so I did the timer and it was still kind of makeshift, you know, a just like hokey thing, but everybody had fun and we enjoyed it. Then after that, we just knew that, okay, people started asking about it. That was growing. And so, um, yeah, after that, it started to grow. And then I think that next year, the girls made um, homemade medals. And oh, your girls. Yeah. 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 Skylar and Tristan, because they were really young at the time. And we just printed them out. They drew, Skylar drew a picture. We, we cut them out, printed them out, laminated them, put some ribbons on it. It's like, oh, this would be really cool to give everybody a medal. And um, which was the first year we did medals. And that was awesome. People loved it. And that year, in fact, um, Chris comes over to me. He goes, because it was, he, oh, he called me. I was not even down there yet. He, came, he went at 530, kind of set up some cones and stuff. He better come down here. He goes, I think this is going to be big. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because we didn't have sign up or anything. He goes, uh, there's a lot of people here. You better come down here. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I got down there and I'm like, oh my gosh. And Bob Bab Babbitt shows up. And I'm just like, holy smokes, Bob Babbitt's here. How did you even find out about this? And it was like crazy. And then Chris Leadle uh, joined us that year. And I was just like, holy cow, how did this happen? And then they got real. And so yeah. at that point, I think that year we had a lot of people. I mean, a lot. And uh, we just knew it was going to get out of control the next year. So we, at that point, we're like, you know, we wasn't running insurance. You know, hope no one hears this at that point. <laughs> we wasn't having no permits, no nothing. And because it was just like our friends showing up and we're just getting yeah. together for a little runabout, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, you know, something happens. We, we, I mean, we, we probably should do this right. You know, we have a business and all this stuff. And so, yeah, after that point, um, we kept it to 100 athletes because you to really just kind of keep it. Because the thing is, when you have 100 athletes on that short of a course, on the bike, everybody's going to be close together. And, you know, theoretically, we say no drafting. It's really almost impossible not to bunch up because – you're going to always, um, must be a walker again, <laughs> but, um, you're going to always just stop at the red, cause we do stop at all the red lights and all that, as you know, 
And the, the, the best photo, the best photo, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, West Hawaii today was a Brie doing the race at a stoplight with her foot down. Yeah, I actually, that picture I saved because um, I'm like, no matter how good you think you are, the best of the best puts their foot down and stops at the red light, <laughs> you know? And so that, and that, that's of course her. And I remember some, whoever I was talking to uh, that was doing that, I think it was the uh, Parisi's was running that um, particular, taking those pictures that particular day. And she, they told me, oh, it, and she said, three came up, it just turned red. And she said it like took two minutes. So, I mean, she truly was there a long time. I mean, she was going to, because every, it was like cars and everything. So um, a lot of this, we still don't call this a race because you still have to follow, even though we're going a different direction, because now the, the, the roads has changed. Um, yeah. There's really not a turnaround point. Um, it's just too dangerous because there's more people on the roads to have it turn after the airport like we used to. Yeah, I think that was a good call when you changed the bike course that year. It was kind of like, nah, I can't do it out there. Well, in the first, the reason why it changed in the first place was, you know, we had Vanguard uh, come and we had officers, police officers come and they would do the turnaround for us. Well, Vanguard was just busy. And then we saw it, we called other uh, security companies. They were busy. They couldn't do it. The police couldn't do it. Then that was like kind of on a wait list to, if someone wanted to work that day, no one wanted to work that day. It's Thanksgiving, you know, they want to spend time with their family. I understand that. Um, so I'm like, you know, I, we got to make this safe. And so we kind of molded over and it was also construction on the road at the time and stuff. That's when the road was still, you know, being put in and we did it. And I'm like, because on Sundays it's busier because you have church, you know, on Lee drive and on Thursday on Thanksgiving, there's church doesn't happen. So it's not busy and people are making dinner. So it really is a slow day and we start at seven. So it's pretty early. I mean, we're done pretty much by nine with the, even the slowest people. Um, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we did it. The, uh, people were really concerned the first year. They're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that Lee drive. And well, and it's not, it's not a Lee drive. It's the pit. That, yeah, the pit. And there was several people's like, I didn't know if I had gearing to go up that hill. And I'm just like, you know, worst case scenario, this is for people that's not, you know, typically doesn't ride hills. I'm like, worst case scenario, get off and walk your bike. It's just a fun day. It's not a race. It's just a fun day anyway. And so that's my whole kind of attitude with this event, because a lot of it is luck. You don't, People, you know, they, um, they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's the top five or whatever, but it's also luck too, because things could be a lot different. The pet way people hit hits the red lights. I mean, things could change. So, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily the fastest of the day. It's, it's just who got the best luck sometimes. And, and, uh, the pit that we're referring to, if, uh, if any of you out there actually know the history of, uh, Iron Man. Back in the day when Iron Man first started out on the Big Island here, there was the the pit which you had to run out of and bike out of, you know, and it's the pit. It's it's pretty steep coming out from, uh, you know, where the turnaround is. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, heat up the quads quite a bit. And then it's so funny because you're going to go downhill for a bit and then that slight rise that doesn't look like much of anything 
as you still head to Cuyahoga. I mean, then you start burning again because it's just, it kind of, it's longer, but it's not steep. But yeah, so, uh, but then it's, you know, once you get over that, then it's pretty much, you know, it's, it's smooth sailing after that. And you guys have done that. You've, you know, I have some of the, most of my medals now, they all go to uh, charity and stuff. But I mean, you guys have up the ante on the medals and I talk about professional medals and swag. I count on you for my race belt. My bib belt because it's, I was going to say the thumb cap. <laughs> you you guys give a, give us a, a race belt and it's got the little loops in it where you can put. Uh, well, I I actually put this into it. <laughs> yes, you did. Right, we got that at the finish line. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I when we first started this event, it was not even really considered an event. We just did it did it for fun. And then it became an event on its own. And, um, and I remember P-Man telling me, oh yeah, it, it, I think it got a little bit out of hand. It got, just got too much. It was overwhelming. And that's one of the reasons why he kind of got out of it. And I totally get that. And, you know, and now you have to do all the permits and all these things. And, you know, but for us, you know, insurance isn't cheap. It's very expensive. And, um, but I wanted to do an event. You know, we've been in this town well, Chris grew up here part of his life and I've been here since 94 and this town has gave us so much, you know, um, with just racing the people, you know, there's just, I don't know. It's it, the Aloha spirit, you know, you feel it in so many ways with so many people, especially with close knit friends and people that have no idea what they've done for you and they don't care. They just want to do it because they enjoy it. And, um, so we wanted to do something for people that, um, that maybe was worried about trying to do it trying to do a lava man. And it's, you know, it is expensive and, and it's expensive because there's a lot of costs incurred, you know, with the permits and the, the insurances and the, you know, just renting the place. And, and so I understand that I am not saying that it's overpriced. I'm, it's, it's expensive. And we, we certainly know that. And so I, I think they charge a fair, you know, a, a fair amount, even though some people might think it's too expensive because it's, it's really way more costly than you can possibly imagine. And there's a lot of logistics that, you know, people just don't realize. But um, so I wanted to do an event that had that same feeling of, wow, I get a swim cap that's, you know, and this is one that's, it's better than the Ironman and um, Lava Man races because it's silicone. You can use it over and over again. It's not going to rip on you. And, you know, give them a race belt, which I don't think any of those, um, they do that. And a beautiful medal that they don't have to pay for, you know, they can just come and not because sometimes people, if they're going to have to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars for an event, they feel like they have to be really fit, have a great bike and be really ready for it. And I think you're losing a lot of people um, that, that they, those people can gain by missing out on having like the mangoes and that kind of stuff. So that the mangoes is what brought me into Lava Man. And I want to do something similar to the mango, but with, um, with a bunch of swag so they can not pay the several hundred dollars, but be able to get a phenomenal medal and, and also, you know, all the swag that goes with it. You know, the, one of the best things I think we do is we put the finish line up, uh, the banner 
for every single person to run through. So every person's finish line pitcher is them breaking the banner. Like they're number one, like they yep. won the race. In fact, I've seen people use it as their um, profile picture and you have people comment and they're like, wow, you won the race. And they're like, uh, no, it's just how <laughs> the race is. But I want them to feel that way. And I've had people, it's so funny that they come up toward the finish and they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, run, 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 it's for you. And they just say like, whoa, this is so new. And then they're like, can I try it again for the picture? Because they didn't know what to do. They were so, and so it's, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, because I, I want them the feeling of like, they're all winners and they can get all this swag and you know you don't have to have the perfect bike you know you just need to have a bike and as you know we gave bikes out this year and <laughs> how did that work out but um you know it was really special for the fact that um it's just this whole giving you know, I, I heard someone say this most selfish thing that you can do is give and selfish because it makes you feel so good to do so that that's selfish. And I understand because I, I feel that. And I, um, you know, when we got these bikes from these donors, um, it was so amazing because it was, we were giving bikes to people that either didn't have the 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 money to get these bikes or that was because a bike is very expensive yeah. and even if you get a, an inexpensive bike it's still very expensive and you know they wanted to dip in triathlon but they're not sure you know you know you because I think you're missing out on a lot of people that just don't have the opportunity and so providing this opportunity for those that um you know, are unsure or just don't necessarily have the funds because they've got so many other expenses that they're doing. Um, it, it was really great. And we got these people in this event and they're hooked, you know, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it just turned into us giving back to others on board, giving back and, you know, then the food bank and, you know, it just, it's, it's a really big deal. Um, and, uh, I think it's carried over to, you know, even nowadays, everybody's kind of, you know, things are a little sketchy to say the least, but, you know, I've had people like Bree has offered to go to the Bodhi tree and bring me food and stuff like that. And it's all still our Ohana and we're, we're all thinking of each other. You guys have provided the venue for people to experience something, not only the venue, but also the equipment for people to experience something that they normally couldn't experience and also something that they might be too afraid, you know, to be able to do something like this, even with our team mango and our P man races and stuff. This is the perfect event, I think for new, new riders, new triathletes. Oh, I can just think of several people that's done a race. Um, I don't, well, that's, that one is not a race, you know, the event that, went on to do Ironman, you know, and they were unsure about triathlon and they did it. And it was just like, um, changed their life, you know, for the better, but, um, uh, talking so much without water. <laughs> hydrate, hydrate. Yeah, for sure. But, um, no, it's, it's been really, really cool. The fact that just like the people that that's just moves on from that event and, and the fact that, um, 
able to swim, you know, I have, I've had a, like, and this happened a couple different times where I had someone's like, I can't swim. And I really would like to do this, but there's no way, you know, it would be so fun if I could do that. And I'm like, would you feel comfortable on a boogie board? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I, cause I can only doggy paddle. I cannot truly swim like everybody else does. And I'm like, well, not everybody else feels that confident either. And, you know, we have, we have, um, gosh, Wesley Moore brought up the, the skis. I mean, he volunteered, Wesley Moore volunteered his time, brought up the two skis. I mean, that's big time. That's oh, gas. I mean, I mean, that's a lot. And, um, so, you know, support your local business for sure, because these people are stepping up yeah. and, um, but yeah, so I'm like, I know we got a lot of people out there that if they feel uncomfortable, there's someone out there that can, you know, be of assistance. So I'm like, you know, if you're, if you can, if you feel comfortable hooked to the, uh, the boogie board, just go out there and kick. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. It would take me forever. We actually had two people do that two different years that got on a boogie board and they just kicked. And, yeah. and like, you know, and there's other people that just, they, they don't, they swim, but they don't swim well. And I know that feeling. I went through that. I learned how to swim in my thirties. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's going to be, there's boards along the way. Just stop, hold on to a board, take your time, you know, wear a snorkel, wear fins, you know? And, um, you know, we don't, we don't put you in a different group. If you have fins on, it's all the same which, you know, some people that may not think that's that fair, but it's not, a, it's not a race. So it's, it's an event. It's more for the spirit of bringing more people into this lifestyle, bringing the families out, you know, it's, it's more about that versus this intense, you know, racing feeling it's, it's, and it's not, and I don't think anybody has that attitude at all. And in, in that event, I mean, everybody's just it's so thankful so friendly, so kind. It's just the best day. And yeah. I mean, the volunteers, I mean, it's, it is, I think people feel the safest on any of the swims because of the support from volunteers, like you said, at, at their own cost to come out with jet skis, the stand up paddle boards, whatever's necessary. Same thing on the bike, having people at the turnaround point, having people uh, people taking photos of that oh, and this, these are professional photographers taking these photos yeah and, and this may be the only photo that this person gets of them on a bike or yeah. on a run or crossing the finish line oops i lost you What was we talking about? I can't remember now. Uh, let's see. We were talking about uh, the trip to fan and how great you guys are about setting up that race and everything that's involved that people don't realize. Oh, I think I'll move into talking about what, what's happening this year. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to go on this year? Yeah. So this year um, is going to be, it's up in the air still. I do have to make a decision somewhat soon because um now that it's got to be what it is, uh, the ordering of all these products has got to happen really early. In fact, uh, typically I start doing it all in June. Um, so, you know, there was the thought, well, should I just order everything and not have a year on it, on the metal? 
you know, I still up in the air what we're going to do. I just have a feeling that even if things are better, the groups of, you know, that's being a, it's over a hundred people because you get a hundred athletes and I allow a hundred athletes and all of us, um, you know, volunteers, I, I'm not sure if that's going to be happening, a group of that big. And, you know, it's going to be interesting on um, what happens with Ironman this year as well. I mean, I, I'm sure they're watching and, and trying to mold what, what they're think, planning on doing too. Yeah, Andrew Messick has actually come out and stated publicly that they're looking towards February, maybe. Yeah, I heard that. And, yeah. and it's probably a good idea because I think um, – you know, even flying here right now with the, court, the quarantine and that kind of thing, I mean, it not not many people is going to be able to come here for two weeks in advance and just, I mean, because you're losing training too if you're stuck in your house. Okay. So it doesn't even seem feasible for people. So, yeah, I'm not, I, we'll have to, even if it's, if things are relatively good, if it's not good for several months prior, I'm going to have to call it because, there's so much that goes into it. I have to do the permits way in advance. I have to do the insurance way in advance and all those things. And um, I don't want to do those things and, and just lose the money uh, because yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen because it is, you know, Kaiser Motorcycles do, does fund this event and um, it's, it's very expensive. And, uh, but we get so much joy out of it. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, times are hard right now. It's, it's yeah. hard for all of our local businesses and, and, yeah. you know, we're all kind of suffering together and, and uh, some are suffering of course more than others uh, at this time. And, and um, you know, we, we were fortunate to be a, an essential business. Yeah. Uh, although business has changed, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's rough. And I can't imagine, you know, the restaurants and the, you know, the, the companies that just purely based upon, you know, tour, tourism, um, you know, I, I just can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think we, you know, at, you know, as a race director myself too, I had to call off the run for the hops yeah. and as part of Lava Man, the Sunset 5K. And my guess is that Honu will not happen. It's rescheduled for August 15th. Right. I, I can't really see that, but that's only my opinion. I have no inside knowledge on it. And I think, don't worry, Kim, you know, we love the race. It, it, we can turn it into a virtual, that makes it good for me because the swim that, that would then be up here in Waimea, where I'm at, right. so that would be an easy swim for me, you know, because I wouldn't be swimming. <laughs> and, you know, I, to be honest, you would probably, I know you would still get 100 people that would be more than willing to show up at any place but you know a lot of the stuff that's going to happen in the future we don't know because the future isn't now we only have the present to deal with in the next week and i know the whole the situation as far as dealing with the permits trying to get special duty officers uh and you're dealing with dnlr you're dealing with um you're not dealing with state but you're dealing with county you know right. and don't worry about it, you know, and don't put yourselves out in any position that, you know, jeopardizes your business. I mean, our okay. concern and our love for you is for you. Oh, for sure. And, and we're not going to, we're, we, you know, I, I know that, you know, worst case scenario, we, we don't have it is really not that bad. Right. Because we can just do it next year and, and really 
everybody's health and, and safety, you know, because now we're just learning about this disease and, you know, you're hearing more and more how it, they're not even know like with the, the kids and stuff that they had COVID and they have all these other things that's happening to them. And so it's like, it's, it's terrible. And so we certainly don't want to put anybody at risk or, um, chance anything and um that means canceling this year and hopefully having it next year when we have maybe a better treatment or a vaccine by then um so that's what we'll do yeah uh, your kids are doing fine are all the kids home so um my my uh middle daughter she's still in school here uh they're doing everything online and um she gets done i think in three weeks and then my oldest daughter, she's in Colorado. She came back. We were actually supposed to go to um, Colorado during spring break. And we was going to go visit her. But um, this, it was still up in the air of what was happening. And things were changing so fast and day by day that it got to where we were like three days from the trip. And I'm just like, um, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to get stuck there and not be able to come back. And, and it was so wind up, we canceled. We was able to, even though there were non-refundable tickets because of the situation, we were able to move our tickets to July, which now I'm not even sure if that's going to yeah. happen because, you know, I am working mostly from home. I, I go into the shop when no one's there because I share an office with Greta who did her cycling yeah. jersey. She did her, she did help with those medals and all that. And um, for those you don't know, Greta Dufour. And um, so I'm just trying to, so we're in one office. So we should, and plus Tristan's still in school, so she can't really watch Aspen. And so I don't want to take, you know, it's just, everybody's playing, juggling, you know? And yeah. so I'm staying at home <clears throat> and then uh, I can work from home. Like we went in July, if they had the quarantine for residents still or visitors and residents, I could get through it because I can stay at home for two weeks and do my work. And as long as I have a carrier of taking stuff back and forth, yeah. but Chris can't. So you couldn't, you couldn't necessarily go for two week vacation and then have to take another two weeks. Yeah. It's just impossible. And so I don't know if that's going to happen. Skylar, um, she came and went for just, I think she was here for a week um, in March before this kind of went bad and they started doing the quarantine and all that stuff. And, um, and then she went back because she didn't have any of her books for school. And she also has a boyfriend now in Colorado that, and I under, I get that, you know, she wants to be with the boyfriend, not mom and dad anymore. But, um, so she's not coming for summer because of the quarantine situation. And she's like, Oh, why do I go there and stay in the house for two weeks? And, you know, if I'm staying a three weeks, I mean, I'd be only a week of doing things and everything's, you know the beaches aren't open and you know, that kind of thing. So she's staying there. Um, and it's her school right now. It's tentative that they're going to be in school this oh. fall, but we don't know, you know, cause it's, you know, no one really knows. So, uh, but she did finish the school year. They didn't cancel school for her. She just finished, uh, last week. And so she's at CSU. Yeah. She, no, she's at Colorado school of mines. Oh, the and, school of mines. That's right. And golden, yeah, and so she's gonna be officially a junior. <laughs> oh my lord! I know it's crazy, right? <laughs> I know I just Chris, can't. Chris is, doing, Chris is doing okay. He's a, a fellow graduate of the Stedman Hawkins Clinic, as I am. 
yeah, that's their whole reason why he didn't do a tryptophan last year. He was recovering. Boy, that is a good clinic. They were fantastic. That clinic, I walked in and they kind of take you straight to the, uh, the, whatever, the patient room that you're going to, but there's, you're passing and you're seeing all these jerseys from well-known players and Formula One drivers and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm trying to get my camera out and they're just like walking really fast. And I'm just trying to get like, I want to see some of this stuff. It was so interesting. And then when he did have his surgery there, for those that don't know, he had, um, he tore his ACL in half. He tore his MCL and he tore his meniscus. And so it was pretty major. And so when we went to the doctors here, one wouldn't do the surgery. So we end up, we, he had, he had an appointment with someone else and they said they would only do the ACL. And then we went to another, get another opinion. And they said, Oh, I wouldn't do the ACL. I'd only do the MCL. And so I, when you have everybody saying something different, it kind of made me nervous. And so we knew we were going to Colorado anyway, and we already had a vacation there. And so I researched there and found the Stedman clinic, which is, does team USA and, all these formula one drivers, the, you know, the top notch basketball players, they do skiers. So they're really well versed in knee surgeries and boy, did he have a outstanding recovery from that too. And, but um, yeah, that was, that was quite a deal. <laughs> he only misbehaved once, didn't he? <laughs> no, he, he, uh, yeah, I had a, he was, uh, he was feeling pretty good and he didn't have to, Nowadays, so I don't know if they do that necessarily everywhere, but they put a, a pain pump into your nerve and yeah. it just pumps on its own for like three days. So you don't have to have pain medication or anything. So you never took any pain medicine. Yeah. They did give him some, but he didn't have to take anything. And it was just amazing. Um, and they, they, they wanted you to do therapy twice a day, every day yeah. for an hour with at the, I'm like, well, I couldn't, it was quite a far trip from Golden to go to Stedman, which is in Vail or actually yeah. Edwards where yeah. we went. And, um, so we got a locally, so we just had it once a day, but it was, it was pretty, they, they just, they don't mess around. <laughs> they oh, no, they, they're, they're the best place in the world. My old joke when people, you know, I've lived here for quite a long time, but they, they asked me, so if you had some serious, um, you know, injury or illness, where, where would you go? <laughs> I say the airport. <laughs> well, you know, they really are. If you got something that's, that's not something simple or, you know, you really want the latest technology, they are the latest technology. I mean, they, they, they're teaching, there's a, a teaching hospital too. So they teach other doctors. So you're going to the best of the best and what's current right now. And it, it was funny because in the waiting room, when I was waiting for him. Um, I, I was talking to, uh, there was someone that was, they were speaking another language, um, I think it was Spanish, next to me, and then I found out they were from Spain, and they flew all the way over here to get surgery from mm-hmm. Spain, and mm-hmm. it was pretty amazing, and, um, and it was, the, the doctor we had, uh, he was like, he treated Chris like, because I went to every visit, like he was a rock star like so important. And this doctor, he was, um, uh, Lindsay Voss's, uh, surgeon. Okay. And and he, he was all these other big name triathlete surgeons. And he's like, Oh, you know, so-and-so. And And we're like, 
oh my gosh, you did him. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, it's pretty amazing. And, but he treated him, Chris like he was a celebrity or a, you know, top notch sports athlete. You know, it's like, who does that? I mean, he made him feel like he was, it, it was pretty cool. I got to yeah. say. The key question, I think they probably still ask it is they ask you, unlike telling you, they ask you, they say, so what, to what point do you want to recover to? Exactly. They did ask that question. And he got Chris, you know, what Chris's answer was better than before. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly the answer they want to hear. And that's what they're, they're serious about it too. Yep. No, they, the questionnaire was uh, really lengthy and um it, they had to have all of his information before we came and they because we had all the um tests and the x-rays and the mris and stuff so they already knew a plan of what they were going to do and uh and he wasn't for sure on the meniscus if he was going to cut cut it loose or repair it he says most likely it depends on you know because he's older you know he's 53 and he you just didn't know the status of because he said it's really hard to heal from a meniscus versus ACL is a little bit easier. Yeah. And so, uh, which I was unfamiliar with any of that stuff. And his surgery was going to only be, a, I think, a, I don't know, a couple hours or so. And it was really long. I mean, it was several hours. And, um, and the doctor did come out and talk to me. And he had an iPad and he shows exactly, they, they actually got a video of the surgery and he's like showing me what he did and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he goes, yeah, I'll send, I'll email this to you. And then I, I tell you exactly what I did after, you know, I'll email it to you. So you have it for your records. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. But, um, end up the reason why it took so long is he did repair it. He goes, uh, for Chris's age, his meniscus was in really good shape. And, um, he oh. said it looked like, um, he said it, the tear looked like uh, crab meat, you know, and <laughs> when it was poor and he showed me a picture of it. And, um, it was really interesting. They showed me how clean it was when he fixed it because he did, he was able to repair it and not just cut it off, which they typically do that. Yeah. And, and he said that this just, the recovery is a lot longer. I mean, it's like a year and um, it's not been a year yet, but Chris says that knee feels way stronger than his other knee. And um, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's, uh, to me, it's great to hear that, Chris is recovering. You're recovering too, thanks to Mike Traub and, and the treatment Absolutely. That, that you've been getting and stuff. And, you know, that's why, I mean, I'm a, a science kind of guy. I have the faith, uh, not just on, in science, but also like we talked about the aloha in the community and how the community mm -hmm. is going to recover. You know, I mean, and in a large part because of people like you and businesses like yours, because you're ohana to so many people when when we okay. talk to people about it they well what do you really mean by ohana it'd be like your cousins and nephews and it's like no nope, it goes way they have no idea right <laughs> no it's thank so you cam thank you for catching up i miss you so much oh i big big air hug <laughs> big hug, big hug. <laughs> i i love you guys i love you i love the kids i love chris uh, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to whether it's, you know, this Thanksgiving or next Thanksgiving or whenever it happens, you know, that we're it gonna, will happen again. Yeah, we'll get together right. and we'll go out there and racing. So is there anything, anything to wrap up that you'd like to say anybody you want to thank or anything? Um, 
I would just say that, you know, this is really hard times right now, but try to get out there and get some sunshine, get some exercise, take your families out, you know, um, it's, I think it's best. I just to get out and try to do something every day. And I think that's been really helpful for me because sometimes, you know, you, for me, I would be really tired. just not want to do anything. And it's like, Oh, I'm, I got a lot, a lot of work today, but if you just go out, you know, and pretty much everybody watches this probably does do that, but yeah, just keep with it and keep it consistent. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, three, four years down the road, we'll be like, Oh my gosh, you remember when that happened? That was crazy. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, things will just be, I don't know if it'll be a new normal or back to normal, or it'll just be different, you know, and whatever it is, we're all going to be in it together. So, I mean, we're just going to deal with it the best we can. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. Aloha. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Mahalo to Kim Kaiser. Uh, it was great to be able to talk to Kim. Quite a remarkable person. She's done a lot athletically, obviously, as we talked, and also uh, uh, under a fair amount of challenges, you know, as we all can be sometimes uh, uh, with our health issues. And I want to make sure um, I figured out how to do a donate button on each of the shows now. And her uh, show, uh, her program will be, uh, there'll be a donate bus, a button for Friends of the Children's Justice Center of West Hawaii today. So if you watch the program on, uh, not on YouTube, but actually on Facebook, you can donate some money to them. I'd get nothing from it. It's just strictly a donation for them. But if you need to get a hold of me, I changed the email address for uh, the show. I changed it to joe at hawaiiultra.com. And you can always subscribe to the podcast uh, if you're on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and just about everywhere else that, uh, you know, you want to either listen to our program or watch our program. So I hope everybody is having a great day and that you're uh, being active and getting out there and doing it very responsibly. Very responsibly. Aloha. <laughs>